Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Laura. I'm Sarah. Today we are joined by Ellie O'Brien, owner, founder, and creative force behind Hungry by Nature. Launched in 2015, Hungry by Nature is a brand about balance and moderation. According to Ellie, it is about feeding your physical hunger with natural foods and wholesome ingredients, and about feeding your intellectual hunger to learn and to grow. You can find Ellie's granola all over Andersonville at Ridman's Coffee, the Andersonville Galleria, and at our farmer's market, or by visiting her website at shophungrybynature.com. Welcome, Ellie. Thank you for joining us. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Well, why don't we start by you telling us a little bit about yourself? What is your background and what inspired you to launch Hungry by Nature? Sure. So I am actually born and raised in Minnesota and moved to Chicago after um, I graduated college, found a job here working at Northwestern at their medical school, where I currently still work as a design engineer. And um, I kind of got into this space in as a creative outlet from that job. So I was really looking for something to do with my spare time. I wanted to learn about photography. I love cooking. And I actually started a blog called Hungry by Nature in 2015. And a year after that, I was diagnosed with celiac disease, started eating a primarily paleo diet, and was really just unhappy with a lot of the options at the grocery store. And that is really what led us to the food brand that I now own, under the same name, Hungry by Nature. So I now own a gluten and grain-free snack company, and we focus on grain-free granola and granola butter. Um, But food has always really been a part of my life. I grew up eating a home-cooked dinner every single night, eating with the family around the table. That was like we always ate as a family, and that was such a big part of our life is connecting with each other across the table. And that's still most important to me. Like I really, at the end of the day, just want to sit down with my family and share good food and talk about our days. And that's really what the recipes on my site, but as well as the food that we make, the intention behind the food that we make. Like I want to make eating good food accessible for everyone, whether they do have a food allergy or they don't. Um, And it's really just with the intention of connecting with people, connecting with people over a shared space over good food and providing people that space to really focus on what's important, which is not necessarily what's on your plate, but with the people that you're sharing that time with. And did you have a a large family? Do you have a large family? Um, I grew up with, there were five of us. So my parents and then two sisters. And when you started Hungry by Nature, did you start as, or just even starting this whole creative process, did you start mostly as like a blogger or a recipe developer, or as a cook. I see everything that you do now, and it's so just dynamic. And like, was there one of those things, and then the others kind of followed? Or have you been doing it all from the beginning? Um, yes, I've kind of been doing everything from the beginning. Um, but the intention was never really to start a business. The intention was I love to cook, and I wanted to learn how to like take good photos, really. And I was like, well, a food blog is great. I need to eat. And it's a controlled environment where I can practice. Um, And then it started to gain some traction. And I really loved like the interaction of being able to share those recipes with people and people being able to connect with me and to connect with each other over those recipes. Um, 
So it definitely started more as a hobby. And then I saw that there was potential to turn it into a business. Um, and I had that intention with just the blog before the celiac diagnosis, before the food, you know, the food business actually started. So it's kind of just snowballed a little. <laughs> Do you remember the first recipe you posted about? Um, I'm pretty sure they were salted cho- chocolate chunk cookies because <laughs> there's just, there's nothing better. Um, and what was that diagnosis of celiac disease like for you? Can you talk about your experience with that? Sure. Um, so celiac disease is an autoimmune issue. Um, most autoimmune diseases are hereditary. And if you have one, you're most likely predisposed to have more than one. So previous to my celiac diagnosis, I had already been diagnosed with something called Renaud's, um, which is like an autoimmune blood thing. It's where uh-huh. you experience coldness in your You're right. So Chicago is and... probably the, the worst place to live. Minnesota too. Well, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Coming equally from bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's actually really hard to be officially diagnosed with any autoimmune disease. But the year before I was diagnosed, my little sister was diagnosed with celiac. And so I did it mostly because the disease is hereditary and... Honestly, my mom was like, you need to get tested. And I was pretty adamant that I didn't have it. But I went in, they checked my blood. I had all the antibodies that said, yeah, you have it. So then I had to go and like go to the GI and get scoped and to do like an official sample of my intestine to be tested and for them to prove that I have it. And for me, the diagnosis was very simple because we just went in knowing that this was probably the case. Um, It's not always that simple. So were you experiencing like symptoms or did it beforehand? So looking back, mm-hmm. I definitely was, but there's such a range of symptoms you can have with this disease. You can be asymptomatic, which since I was diagnosed and my little sister, my older sister got tested and she also has celiac, um, she is totally asymptomatic. Um, my little sister has very classic, like she eats something that touches gluten and she's like immediately in terrible pain like distension of her stomach and just like I didn't have those symptoms so I was like I it's not me like I don't have it um but as soon as I cut out gluten from my diet I mean literally within five days I felt immensely better and then I realized like oh I was like kind of bloated all the time but it was just normal because I ate gluten every day so it didn't it didn't seem out of place for me to feel the way I was feeling until I totally cut it out. And I feel like you've become such a resource for other people through launching your business and launching your company and also um, blogging and developing recipes. In those early days of your diagnosis, what were some of the resources you turned to? Um, I turned to a lot of other food bloggers. I mean, luckily, by the time my diagnosis happened in 2016, celiac was very present in society. I mean, a lot of companies that I still buy from from the supermarket were already in stores. Like Simple Mills is my some of my favorite gluten-free products and they were already, you know, in Jewel and Whole Foods. You could get their stuff anywhere. Um, so luckily, like the landscape, even from when my little sister was diagnosed to when I was diagnosed was vastly different. And there were a lot of other food bloggers already who were sharing gluten-free recipes. Um, 
right after I was diagnosed, I also did the Whole30 for the first time. And that community is incredible. Um, the recipe creators in that space are amazing. And that was, that really just opened myself up to this whole other world of food that I didn't really know or understand. Um, but yeah, there were so many resources. And now, I mean, three and a half years later, there's, I mean, it's multiplied mm-hmm. tenfold probably with the amount of resources. And what was um, the process of creating the granola, like your first kind of round of it? Sure. So it actually started as a recipe that I had on my blog. And it's a little, the one that I posted online is a little different than my original maple cinnamon flavor now. Um, but it's it's still very similar. And we just like, I made it for myself and posted the photos online and Um, I had some decent traction on my blog, but nothing crazy. And that recipe, for whatever reason, people were just like, this is unbelievable. Like, people just raved and raved about it. And actually, my husband, Pat, one day was like, maybe you should just try and sell it. And of course, I, having no idea what that would take, (laughs) was like, okay, yeah, let's do it. Why not? Um, That was the summer of... 2017 so I'd been diagnosed at like six months at that time and then spent the second half of 2017 like going through all the licenses and permitting of the city and officially launched it in December of 2017 but yeah it started it just started all as a recipe for the blog and let's talk granola butter yes and how you make (laughs) well you don't have to tell us how you make your granola butter but like you need to explain to me how I don't like nut butters. I don't like any nut butters. I don't eat peanut butter. I've like hated peanut butter my whole life. And I am I know everyone's covering their ears right. Everyone's like, what? (laughs) I know. It's a crazy. Sarah Dindis. Straight straight out of the jar. This is like a phenomenon. No, like (laughs) growing up, my sister loved peanut butter and would eat it and use the phone. And then I would refuse to use that same phone because of my hate for peanut butter. And I don't (laughs) touch anything that has peanut butter on it when my kids eat peanut butter. Anyhow. So I need you to explain to me how I am so obsessed with your granola butter. And how it's well now it's I know just... I'm gonna scare you on Halloween. I didn't know this before. I'm gonna dress up as a giant jar of Skippy and come and give I you a really, hug. Yeah, I'm just hugs not... and peanut butter. And I will run <laughs> faster than I've run before. Um it's amazing. I'll just say that. Thank and you so much. Tell us about making that creation. Sure. So granola butter is essentially like a fancy nut butter, a mixed nut butter. Um, We make it out of our original flavor of granola. So it's a mix of cashews, pecans, walnuts, almonds, sunflower seeds, coconut. I mean, it's literally like I've I've told you this before. Instead of putting the granola in a bag, I put it in a food processor and grind it down. So there's that's how we make it. There's like nothing fancy about it. Um, I think most nut butters are pretty straightforward. You know, it's like peanuts or almonds and salt, hopefully. Like, hopefully there's nothing added into it. I think ours is so addicting because there's a little maple syrup in the granola. And coconut for me is, like, really addicting. So there's coconut oil in the granola, too. And I think that just, I don't know. (laughs) I think there also is just, because I I just have wanted to talk to you about this in depth for so long. But, no, I think there also is just something really great about the consistency 
of your granola butter that like drizzling it on something and I know Mm -hmm. like you show how it can be eaten that way but like drizzling it on something is kind of even a different experience than like spreading this thick peanut butter so yeah my favorite I have so many thoughts about it (laughs) my favorite way to eat it is drizzled on top of ice cream because because of the coconut oil in it it kind of creates a magic shell situation and it firms up a little um so that's like a hundred percent my favorite way to eat it and then I bake a lot with it so um, I have these paleo granola butter blondies on my website that are just like the best thing. Um, and what flavor ice cream do you put it on? Vanilla. Just straight yeah, up vanilla. I'm just a class. I mean, I'll like go to George's ice cream and get vanilla. Like I'm that mm-hmm. person. So <laughs> that's always my, <laughs> my default. But, um, but the granola butter was actually made kind of as a fluke, um, when we would be bagging the granola, we'd get to the essentially the bottom of the barrel and we'd have crumbs left. And I'm like, we can't just like bag, like we can't put this in bags or we do, we doing farmer's markets and we'd have so many, you know, the end of the bag of our demos and we couldn't repackage it. We couldn't sell it. So I had so many crumbs. I was like, what the heck are we going to do with all this? And I was like, I'll just put it in my food processor and see what happens. And I did that like a year and a half ago and I was like oh this is it like this I think the butter could actually be like the product of hungry by nature more than the granola um so yeah it was a total fluke that it happened we tested it at the Andersonville farmers market last summer people loved it so now we are like packaging it um in a larger scale and we have you know like fancy labels and all that stuff um yeah I think it's the thing though Thanks for talking to me about it. So mm-hmm. much. I really wanted this whole episode to be a little bit about Whole30 so I could just sit back and listen to you <laughs> talk Go back both about your journeys with this. It's life changing. So yeah. Well, I don't know how much people know about Whole30, but I think that just a fun story for me when I started kind of experimenting with elimination resets and doing Whole30 and I found your Instagram account and some of your recipes and got really just inspired by them and you know and but then I saw that you tagged a picture Andersonville and then um I was out of town during one of our third Thursday networking events and I saw that you went to it at Andy's (laughs) and I had this moment of like wait you know I'm doing this whole 30 I've been finding inspiration from social media i found this account that's been so helpful and is like based in Andersonville but like now she's like at one of our events for the Andersonville Chamber of Commerce and so it was just this really great kind of like coming together of things and I think just you know you talked about like the whole 30 that being kind of a community which I think it is a really strong community but it was just a really cool moment for me of being like sometimes like this online community actually being steeped in like real Mm -hmm. physical community and how you kind of need both Mm -hmm. um in your life like it can't just always all be online I think and that that's a little bit like um the 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 fear that it might go there but what we experience like living and working in Andersonville every day is this benefit and this beauty of like real physical Mm -hmm. community. So I've really just appreciated that. I think about your business, like being able to experience your brand and your business and your messaging online, but also in person has been really fun. So, I mean, it's been a great that, so that, um, the third Thursdays that you're talking about 
was January of 2018. I had moved to Andersonville December of like a month before, the same week that I launched the biz, the granola business, which <laughs> probably wasn't <laughs> the best decision. It was a crazy week. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, com- moving up here. I've, t- I've said this to so many people moving here. I used to be in Boys Town and being a part of Andersonville and this community was literally life-changing for the business. At that there's third Thursday networking event, we had no retail presence. Like we were just online for a month. And I met, um, obviously David was working the event, but that I met Rick from the guest house at that event. And he like placed an order for the granola that day and hadn't tried it. We like had spoken for five minutes. And that's that's what's incredible about Andersonville in this community is just the support for other businesses. And I know that my business wouldn't be where it is today if I was still living in Boys Town or living somewhere else. Like this, it's amazing what you guys do. So thank you. No, thank you. You keep us well fed in our office. <laughs> we very much enjoy how you started making the miniature sized versions yes. of your granola snack bags um and talk about kind of um the different flavors that you offer now of that you've kind of moved on and you've developed new flavors sure yeah so we launched with just the one original and we didn't even have a name for it we just like called it our granola really um I had always wanted to do more flavors but it wasn't really until we approached Whole Foods to get into their local program where they had said that in order for businesses to be successful on the shelf, you need to have more than one skew. Like a single product on a shelf gets lost and it's not until you have like rows of things next to each other where you even, like where people even see you. So they were really the ones who said, if you want this to happen, you need more products. And so I spent a couple months testing recipes and eventually settled on a lemon blueberry, um, which... There is not a lot of citrus in the granola world um, or any like snack mix sort of thing. Citrus just isn't very common. And I'm obsessed with lemon. So I was like, I, I need to figure out how to do this. Um, so we have a lemon blueberry and then we also launched a chocolate cherry, um, which is just, you really can't I mean, you can't miss. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah. And so we try and source everything as local as possible. We use um, Enjoy Life their dairy-free chocolate for the chocolate cherry and they're another Chicago-based company. Um, and then we get all of our dried fruit from Traverse City, Michigan, and they're known for their cherries. So yeah, the chocolate is my favorite for sure, but um, the original flavor is our bestseller. And we actually, because people were getting, we had found when we were doing markets and wholesale stuff, people were like very confused as to what the original was like they weren't picking if we weren't there sampling it people weren't picking it up off the shelf because it was just plain or like you know there was no flavor supposedly so we ended up kind of rebranding it as maple cinnamon um so we have the maple cinnamon lemon blueberry and chocolate cherry congratulations on coming into whole foods that's really great and what has it been like to work with such a large establishment um it's been great their local program is um really wonderful they usually only do reviews on each category so we're in their like granola cereal category they review that once a year um 
on a larger scale, but luckily like their whole, their local program is kind of just a rolling. Once you get your ducks in a row, they'll bring you on. Um, but it's been, I mean, it's been great and it's been a challenge for sure. Um, I did not know that even though you're approved by like the mothership of Whole Foods, each store has their own grocery buyer. You have to pitch each store. Every single store individually has to like sign on and purchase you. So unless you're a national brand, like purely Elizabeth, let's say, unless you're a national brand and Whole Foods as a company mandates the stores to stock a certain amount, like every store does their own buying. So it's been a lot of like pitching grocery buyers, dropping off samples, following up, following up, following up. Um, and then just doing demos in store. So, I mean, same thing as doing the farmer's market. Like we are there sampling as often as possible and just trying to get it into more people's mouths. Well, for the purposes of this show, do you have a t- like a two minute or whatever elevator pitch for our listeners on if they haven't tried their your granola sure to get them to try your granola sure so my normal pitch if we're going to the grocery buyer is um my name's ellie o'brien i own a gluten and grain-free snack company called hungry by nature we're based here in chicago we bake all of our granola here in the city in ravenswood and we have a three skew product line. So we have a maple cinnamon, a lemon blueberry, and a chocolate cherry granola. It's all nut and seed based, sweetened naturally with organic maple syrup, little fruit, some spices, but it's a clean label. It's low in sugar and we'll do everything we can to demo and push the product in your store. That was really good. So good. <laughs> that was really good. I've said a variation of that. <laughs> How many times? times. <laughs> okay. So you work out of a shared kitchen. Yes. And what is that process like? How does that work? Sure. So I rent from another uh, gluten-free baker in the city. And it's been very easy. Um, Because my product is gluten-free and I have celiac and a lot of other people with food allergies have, um, like the requirements of cannot be made in a facility that also processes wheat. It was very important for me to find a space where there was no gluten at all. So um, I just negotiated with this other business directly to use their space when they're not there. And I mean, honestly, it's very easy. We go and bake when they're not baking and we take all of our stuff with us. That's the hardest part. Our guest bedroom is just like boxes of granola. Um I might be looking for a place to stay. Yeah. <laughs> but the shared kitchen route has is so great for any small business starting up that doesn't have the funds to go to a co-manufacturer to, to build out their own kitchen. Um, so, yeah, it's been a really good resource for us. So what does your weekly schedule look like? You have your day job at Northwestern mm-hmm. and then you're cooking. So what kind of like yeah. what is a, a week? So um, I actually, at the beginning of last year, went part-time at Northwestern. So I'm there Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. Um, My Tuesdays and Thursdays are, like, dedicated to doing in-store demos, to cold-calling people for um, more wholesale business, to fulfilling orders. Um, If we're lucky, sometimes we can get in the bakery during the day. And if we do that, we're baking. Um... 
and my husband has now joined the business too. So last year was a little crazier when he wasn't doing as much work on it. And we, we had to bake on the weekends or we were doing farmer's markets. Wednesdays here, Thursdays in Lincoln Square, weekends in, Lo- you know, like it, last year was crazy in terms of work. Um, but it's been a little bit better balanced since then. So we bake either at night or on the weekend, um, one or two days a week. And we do a flavor at a time. That just is easier <laughs> and more efficient for us. Um, yeah. And then it's just, we, it's been a lot of cold calling. Um, we self-distribute. So if people order, we distribute on Tuesdays or Thursdays. Or like if it's a Streeterville store and I'm going down to Northwestern, I do their delivery at like 7 a.m. And then I go to work, you know. So there's not really a standard week, but there's too many to-dos to do's <laughs> to can you share with us your um, social media strategy or even just your kind of opinion on using social media as a tool as a business owner? I mean, you're so good at it and you, you. kind of are good at blending professional and personal. Um, and we talk to our businesses about it a lot uh, just because it's such a new but also such a quickly evolving tool. Um, and everybody kind of takes their own approach, but you definitely seem just so good at it and, or you are good at it, but you seem really successful at it. So just what are your thoughts on using it? Um, I have a love hate for social media. To be honest, if like Instagram was gone tomorrow, I'd kind of like thank my lucky stars because it, it's such a powerful tool, but it's also so much work. Um, and I definitely don't utilize it to the best of my ability um I have one Instagram that is that supports both my like online blog business as well as my food business um which is also something that I've struggled a lot with trying to decide if those should be two separate things because I do think people get confused sometimes when they come into my profile and they think they're expecting like this this brand that does gluten and grain-free snacks and then there's photos of like pasta or things that are not you know aligned with that business but it's just such a powerful way to reach more people like the the awareness and the the way you can spread your brand on social media is I mean it's just it's unbelievable so I don't have a super detailed social media strategy um, I probably should. I am planning though. Um, I am planning like a campaign for my a social media campaign for myself in March. It's going to be a week long of like all the behind the scenes of the granola side of the business. Five days of content, both like on Instagram posts and Instagram stories about why we started the business, who our target customers are, how we manufacture the product, how people can buy the product, recipes to make using our products. So. Um, I'm trying to be a lot more intentional with how I use social media. Um, But yeah, it's a lot of work. Well, you make it look seamless. And I think that, you know, more and more it's like so powerful to know the people behind businesses and Mm -hmm. brands. And so I think that's something that even just 
if people are listening and they're thinking about a side hustle or an entrepreneurial um, endeavor, you know, looking at yours as an example of you do blend that really well. And just from like your morning gratitudes, um, but that being kind of a part of your story and a part of the business's story, I think is really compelling. That is the one thing that I have learned is that people, as much as they want like a great tasting granola, so many of our customers buy the product because they know who I am and they know I make the product by hand, you know, and like the storytelling aspect of how you how you get your brand across versus just posting photos of the granola on the shelf in Whole Foods or of people buying it or whatever. It's really the storytelling aspect that people tend to connect with. And that's ultimately why I decided not to separate the two is because I am the brand and my life and my morning gratitude posts and all of the other stuff that I share that's not granola related is a lot of the reason that we have the customers that we do. I mean, you offer just, you know, such a compelling story when, you know, these products were born out of real life issues for you. And I think that's way different than starting a company because gluten-free is trending. Um, right. And it's much more impactful and meaningful when you're like, no, this changed my life and this has helped me and I want to help you. Mm-hmm. And certainly, you know, Sarah shared that how much she was inspired by you. But do you have any other stories from folks that you've heard from that have also been inspired by your work? I mean, I received an email earlier this week from a woman who... um is like battling stage four pancreatic cancer and has other autoimmune issues. And she she's not even a granola customer. She's just a blog person and um, was like so thankful for me putting out recipes with real ingredients that she can like make and feel good about fueling herself. And, and I've had so many people reach out to me who come from that autoimmune background who are like very limited in the things that they can eat for you know for whatever reason and um are just thankful that there's people doing what I'm doing so let's talk about recipes because um we know you love tacos and you're also really good at sharing sweets yes like those blondies (laughs) you just shared about but um what are some of your favorite recipes or are you currently in development of certain types of recipes or anything you want to highlight for us? Well, tacos are, I could eat tacos every day. I ate tacos twice yesterday. Like I'm not even kidding you. <laughs> um, my recipes and the type of recipes I like to create are simple, clean ingredients. Um, it's nothing fancy. It's nothing crazy no ingredients that like you've never heard of um I'm all about easy food that is fueling to the body so I'm a meat eater I eat a lot of meat I like to develop recipes with meat in them um but really just a lot of simple like I I don't have more than 30 minutes every night to cook dinner and I as much as I love to cook like I don't want to spend more than that amount of time Um, there's, like I said before, like my most important thing is spending time with my loved ones during the meal, not so much the actual making of it, but, um, my favorite types of food to cook. I mean, I love breakfast, so I could eat and do eat eggs like almost every single day, a good breakfast. Um, 
I don't have any crazy recipes in the works. Um, I've really been focusing a lot on the granola side of the business and haven't been able to spend as much time um, developing recipes lately, but I've been cooking from a lot of other people's blogs and a lot of other cookbooks, which I find is a really good way to get inspiration um, as well as going out to eat, which we do a lot. Do you have any favorite cookbooks? Yeah, cookbooks, bloggers, food bloggers, other food yeah. bloggers. Yeah, um, one of my absolute favorite blogs to cook from is called The Defined Dish. She's a Whole30 food freedom food blogger. I also bought her cookbook that came out at the end of last year and I like went through and earmarked literally every other page in that book and have made a dozen probably since it came out at the end of December. Um, her food is super clean, easy, and so flavorful, like so much good flavor. Um, I also really like the blog called Spices in My DNA. She does a lot of vegetable-focused recipes. Um, she actually also came out with a cookbook last year called Eat More Plants. Um, her name's Molly. She runs Spices in My DNA, but same thing, like vegetable focus, super flavorful, easy recipes. Um, and then for anything that's like a little more fancy or if I want to cook like a really nice dinner, um, there is a blog called Plays Well with Butter out of uh, a girl from Minnesota who is actually my friend. Her name's Jess. Her recipes are like if you want to do a date night at home or have a girl's night with people, her, they're a little more decadent, but still like totally manageable to do on a weeknight. Is there a recipe on your blog that's the most high trafficked or most visited? So <laughs> it's comical, the recipe that's most trafficked on my blog. It is a muffin recipe that I posted before my celiac diagnosis made with Kodiak Cakes pancake mix, which is not gluten-free. Um, or I was using the one, I think mm -hmm. they have a gluten-free one now, but it's like an apple cinnamon muffin recipe and someone posted like the Weight Watcher points for it and it went like viral on Pinterest. Like I can't even tell That's you the, like the amount of traffic I get and then there's all these people asking for Weight Watcher points on my other stuff and I'm like, I don't even know how to do that. Like I don't know what that means. So that's my... Um, that's my number one yeah. recipe on the site. But actually, aside from that, I posted a coconut and cassava flour tortilla recipe that was kind of like I didn't want to spend $8 on siete tortillas. They're like, so expensive. They're so expensive. But they're the delicious. The quinoa flour ones are so good. Uh, the There's Marie... Um, there's Marie Ricardo's, I think. Ooh, they have I a quinoa flour one out now. It is so good. Okay. I'll look. You can just like eat it. <laughs> With nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so flavorful. Yeah. So yeah, I was like sick of paying $8 mm -hmm. for Siete tortillas and it was like, they're literally three ingredients. Like I can make this at home. So um, yeah, I have like a five ingredient coconut and cassava flour tortilla recipe. That's my other number one. I just want to time capsule this sentence. Somebody posted its Weight Watchers points and then it went viral on Pinterest. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's... <laughs> Well, I don't even know how they they score those things. Like my sister does Weight Watchers. Like she does it on occasion, and she'll yeah. be like, "I can't eat that. That's four points." And I'm like, "I don't know what yeah. you're talking about." There's like hundreds of comments on that blog post. Most blog posts have like three comments. You know, nothing. 
This has hundreds of all these people being like, oh, I swapped the maple syrup for honey and it's five points instead of four. Like, I don't, I have no clue. It's a whole other world. Well, you are so busy. I hate to use that word, but it, it does seem like, you know. Your life you know, is full. Your life it's is full. full. Mm-hmm. Um, you hustle a lot. And what do you do in your free time or what do you like to do? So... It's so funny because someone asked me that like six months ago and I was like, what free time? What do you mean? (laughs) I like sit and watch an hour on Netflix and go to bed. This is what I do. But um, actually, since I've had that conversation, I've spent, tried to really spend a lot more time just getting back to doing things that I enjoy just for the sake of enjoying them. Um, I used to love to bake until I started baking (laughs) out of a commercial kitchen in a mass quantity. So I've spent a lot more time like baking and doing things just for fun in that sense. Baking and cooking and not feeling like I have to photograph it. Like just doing that. Um, I love to read. So I am in a book club, which has been like so wonderful. What book are you on? Um, We just read a book called No Exit, which is kind of like a thriller by a guy named Taylor Adams. We have book club on Thursday, so <laughs> it's a book club where we talk for 15 minutes and then we just like hang out and drink wine and it's snack wonderful. on granola. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I like love doing crafts. So like I have an adult coloring book that I'll like do just for fun or like I love making. That could be, that could be listened to, heard in several different ways, your adult coloring book. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> Um, that's nothing. just for fun. That's just, <laughs> I I color as an adult. There's nothing bad about it. Like it was in like the curtained off section yeah. of the coloring bookstore. Like you'd no. be 21 and older to I, get in. It's so funny. It was said that way because I actually got it. Who knows? As like a gift from my grandma or something. And it's we, oh, we got no joke, grandma. No joke. It's like proverbs from the Bible. With <laughs> like it's nothing. Um. So I love doing crafts. I love like making homemade cards and doing anything like that. Um, And I also am like super into true crime. So I like love watching true crime documentaries and listening to podcasts and doing all that. All right. Well, it seems like you're happy Mm -hmm. making granola, but if you could trade places with another Andersonville business for a day, which one would you choose and why? Oh my gosh, that's so tough. Um, I have two, if that's okay. I can't eat anything from Lost Larson, but I... It's so sad. I love being... I like walk to Cheetah Gym in the morning and I can smell the bread. (laughs) I would love to like know how to laminate dough and make croissants. Like I think that would be so fun. Um, Either that or... I want to combine that with Martha May. Like my other dream is to have like a really cute store like four-sided, but that has some food element to it. So someplace you could go and like get coffee and a pastry, but also buy cool cards and art supplies. And so it'd be kind of a mash of a few places. Well, don't share that dream with David Oaks because he will force (laughs) you to make it happen on the Andersonville commercial strip. So yeah, and we're excited for that someday. (laughs) 
And it's interesting because Jean from Martha May wanted to trade places with Boss Larson. Really? And when um, Jean's art hangs in Lost Larson, because yes. I think when Jean was on the podcast, we talked about how we just want to like live in a space curated by her right, all the time. Um, but when her art is hanging in Lost Larson, then you're like, oh, yeah, can I just move in? Yeah. <laughs> I know. Her store is like so aesthetically pleasing. Um, and she does such a good job of like she is her brand to a T. Like, I I just, yeah, she's amazing. Well, if you decide to venture into making gluten-free bread, I will fully back you. Thank you. So <laughs> that's the one thing I do because I don't eat gluten either. So, like, not being able to yeah. consume anything at Lost Larson is heartbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Ellie, for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast. For more information about Hungry by Nature, please visit HungryByNature.com. Show notes on today's episode can be found at andersonville.org. Always Andersonville, the podcast is produced by the Andersonville Chamber of Commerce. Find episodes streaming weekly on iTunes and Podbean with show notes available at andersonville.org.